Hello everyone and welcome to the Two Have and Two Roll podcast. My name is Oliver. I am one half of your hosting duo. Joining me today is my co-host Robin and also a guest. Uh, before we get into that though, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, this will be the last time I say welcome to the Two Have and Two Roll podcast on this show as we are going to be renaming this podcast to LARP Tales officially. Uh, we had spoken earlier in the year a few episodes ago about uh, other projects that we want to work on and we have decided to make this podcast a specifically LARP-focused podcast and so any other podcasts we may or may not do uh, will be under the To Have and To Roll uh, umbrella so we're still To Have and To Roll everywhere but that's going to be uh, the main channel um, under which we do all these other projects, i.e. podcasts. So uh, the next time you'll see uh, me saying welcome to the LARP Tales podcast. On to today's show, though. Today's guest joining Robin and myself is our friend Grayson. Grayson is a LARPer and a player at the Empire System here in the UK, where he plays a senator and has been part of the political game of Empire uh, for quite some time. We chat about politics in LARP and what it takes to be a senator in the Empire game. If you're watching this on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Give us a subscribe if you are new here so you know when a new episode is posted. If you're listening on your favorite audio platforms such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can give us a five-star review, which all helps the algorithm. Be sure to check out our Patreon as well. And with all that out of the way, let's get into our conversation with Grayson. Hello everyone, welcome to the Two Avent Roll podcast. We have Grayson joining us uh, today. Welcome to the show, Gray. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Why don't we, um, I know you've been laughing for a while, uh, Grayson, why don't you tell us how you got into into the, into the hobby? Yes, it started out effectively as an adjunct to what I was doing, which was Viking reenactment at the time. Oh. I was at university. I was fencing. I'd been tabletopping before that for years, but I'd never even really grasped LARP. Mm-hmm. until we were doing a Viking reenactment uh, in near Arglass, which is one of the sites that had massive kind of Viking presence back in the old days. Mm-hmm. And someone suggested we came along and took part in filming for what was a credit card advert. What? At the time, <laughs> what? Absolutely. So we're like, right, okay, fair enough. And it turned out it was like credit one or something like that. And they basically got these whole bunch of reenactors, LARPers, anyone at all to be honest dressed as all of us vikings and the idea being that you use this credit card and it kept the the kind of the wolves from the door or in this case vikings and other various different people from turning up and demanding you pay off the debts immediately so it was a kind of debt management kind of thing so while we were doing that we had an awful lot of time sitting about bored to death getting paid quite a lot of money for it to be honest yeah. and uh, a load of kind of kit and things like that that were available etc mm-hmm. and talking to all the different people around them and after a while many of the people there were your mates that you'd spend an awful lot of time with already so we had absolutely no new chat after about four days of filming this <laughs> and then these larpers were there from dublin at the time and they were telling us and explaining about what's going on larp and stuff like that and a bunch of us the table toppers already so we said sure yeah why not let's give it a go mm-hmm. and i think we went across to the gathering with the gather- which, which gathering is Lorian trust Oh, oh right. okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It happens in, I think, August mm-hmm. every year still, yeah. um, on the August Bank Holiday weekend. Yeah. I haven't been in, Christ knows, probably 20 years now. Yeah. But I think that was my first one, and I think it was probably about 
2000 maybe something like that to be honest the first time yeah. so that was quite a ways back yeah. and then just got into it and then started from there to be honest then we started making more of the events the bigger ones the mainland and there were at one point in time there was quite a contingent of about 10 or 15 of us coming over from northern ireland but there was nothing really on our side of the water so it was all a bit kind of a travel and experience <laughs> and then from there it broadened out we started doing some modern day stuff one based on predator which was brilliant Oh, like the Arnie, Arnie Predator movie. Yeah. Oh yes, it ended oh, just about amazing. the same way as well. But there was things like they did stuff like at the first time this was all really really new and fresh to me. So they had like a body that you carved up to get to the organs to work out it was an alien. So this was like a stuff like covered in goop, uh, dive safe glow sticks that were used. So it was dripping green blood that was glowing in the dark but would fade over time, etc. Like that. Oh, so that it was is so amazing! Was yeah. Unbelievably brilliant. It was one of the things that probably informed a lot of the games that we. Later, ran with Project Ragnarok and Incarceration, all the other different things we did, because that kind of sense of wonder and almost shaking someone. Because when you shake their expectations when they go into a scene and you see something that's kind of fantastic, otherwise it's much easier to role play because you're shaking the mindset up, you're giving them something different and new to fixate on, and something that gives them a sense of wow, that's really impressive visually. Yeah. And same for senses of smell and hearing and things like that as well. I think makes an awful lot of difference for how well people get engaged. Yeah, like then, it truly like like immerses you into it, doesn't it? When you're just like when it, like you said, when all the senses are getting hit, and it's just yeah. like um, that way where you forget about the real world. <laughs> you can I, just focus yeah. on. That. To this day, I get that sometimes when I'm looking down an anvil from where we are at the top of the hill, either end, either at the very top end by the marches of the league, or where we are in dawn, and you can see like tents everywhere. You can smell wood smoke all over it. There's all the different lights, and you can usually hear about three different sets of people singing or making music, drifting across the field, and it's quite grabs you at that moment. And it's sort of one of those, no one's really doing anything particularly. It's got nothing to do, but it's quite a spectacle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess I mean, how how big was like? gathering Lorian trust them back way back then it couldn't have been huge could it it was honestly it was back then it was the only show in town yeah so there were probably at the times i was going there were probably three and a half thousand people oh wow okay huge yeah. way back then but mm. now it's probably a stand not even that particularly big an empire event yeah yeah so it was just the scale and the scope back then was absolutely staggering most of the other stuff like cp which was around at the time probably got about a thousand people as i understood yeah based on the ones i went to now i could be lowballing it but that was my feeling a lot yeah. of the events that I went for CP were set up in a site that had loads of glades. So yeah. you never really saw it spread out in a big field. So I could be wrong on that one. But yeah. the gathering in about three, three and a half thousand people was... I, like, only other thing I knew of like that was music festivals at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess you got to, I guess you got to choose your lot as well if you were coming over from... Um... If you're coming over from Ireland as well, you know, it's, yeah. you've, got, you've got to make it worthwhile. Like, so what, what, when did you get, I know you, you, I, I know that you've been at Empire since um, day one. How did you end up getting into um, Empire? Um, well, Cream, who's one of the crew, mm-hmm. um, has been a mate for years and years and years. He was part of the Cuckoo's Nest up here in Northern Ireland. So, or sorry, not in Northern Ireland, it's Scotland. So Graham is probably one of the people I've known that's still around in LARP. Yeah pretty much from my first started coming over him anyways yeah. so he's one of the three that runs pd and then andy and matt i knew from playing in maelstrom beforehand which was great okay yeah matt oh you played talked, in maelstrom right yeah yeah matt talked me and a friend of mine russ into coming in and doing the can at the time which was one of the trade houses that was all about selling 
arms and military stuff and troops for interventions and things like that. At the time, it was a very, very small section, only run by NPCs, and no one had really got the idea that you could sell troops and then change the landscape. Everyone was trying to do diplomacy to do stuff, and it was mm -hmm. still in the early states of a colonial kind of setup. So mm -hmm. everyone was doing land grabs, and no one had really realized that the the way to power was to let someone else do the land grab, build all the infrastructure, then come in with the military force and take it off them. And Matt was very keen to see that aspect of the game being played out <laughs> on the grounds that he thought that people should be spending more money effectively on defense, uh -huh. just like people are in the real world, as opposed to spending it all on building pretty houses and f crops and farms and mills and, things like that, and making huge amounts of money. <laughs> so he wanted to put an element of threat and risk back into the game. Yeah, in a way that wasn't really otherwise delivered. So we talked us into doing that. We did that, and kind of the rest was history. We yeah. went on to find a big group. Um, at one point, we're considered called an unstoppable power block. In practical terms, we weren't. But like from all of these things from the exterior, everyone always sees a big bunch of people in one group and assumes that they get on perfectly and everything gets on very well. Anyone who's ever played Monopoly with her family at Christmas realizes that what seems like a very tight unit from the outside <laughs> usually involves quite a lot of politics. And a lot of drama to try and avoid things falling apart at the seams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, I, you, you <laughs> so sorry, that's quite a good way of describing well, Donish houses. Yeah, Donish houses. Kind of yeah. like your family when you get them together to play some Monopoly and realize that you're all just out to get one another. Yeah, <laughs> much, to be honest. Yeah, that is that is one of the hard because that's the thing when when the group gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you've got to you've got to deal, deal with just a lot more, right? Um, do, what was what was your because you're you've got like um, a, a house in Dawn. What, what was what was yeah. the size? Because I've I've seen like people were sharing uh, camp plans. I think it's from the first ever event. Yeah, um, and they showed the Dornish camp, and it was like tiny, and like like Durandal was one of the one of the only like there must have only been like four or five houses there, right, or something. Yeah, it was something like that. Like yeah. even the Orzels didn't join until I think. Maybe an event or two. Yeah, I think they were because yeah. they started out in Varushka and then they came. I they think did, they, yeah. they they came they came over. We're like, oh, we'll we'll uh, move across. But um... uh, I'm trying to think who else was around. It was House de Gavain. They were mm -hmm. still around as well. I'm trying to think if they're the only other ones still there. Houses. No, no, House Navarian as well. House mm -hmm. de Gavain and House Navarian are the only two houses I can think of off the top of my head that are still there for me. One. Yeah, yeah. Or still extant and still going yeah. as it were. So yeah. So what? So why Dawn? When we you, you were involved in honest i was part of involved in the kind of process while people were writing it so i kind of knew what i was getting done with it to be honest yeah um, my wife jude wrote an awful lot of the dawnish tanner brief and things like that as well she did a lot of the costume guides for a lot of the different nations oh, in particular cool. for dawn so we talked Amazing. about all that stuff from the start and there was like matt heath who, play, who was doing some of the writing as well I'm trying to think there were a few other people but it's 12 years ago now so i'm not 100 certain who else was involved <laughs> i can only credit those i absolutely remember and then i think matt and andy were also kind of like editing the process but also kind of insisted and also doing their own kind of different nations as well mm. so the ones i had kind of comment on at the time were what was turned into high guard which mm -hmm. was in the early iterations very byzantine kind of focused sort of high byzantine type mm. period Dawn that was involved and some kind of input with Rush gets out like that as well. Like I think it was me that named Drogir, Drogir on the grounds that we were casting Ooh. around for ideas for that kind of thing. So <laughs> like that. And funnily enough, I had an awful lot to do with changelings. Yeah. The best ones, clearly, yeah. Yeah, they're the ones I like the best anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you basically went for the nation in the brief that you knew the best coming into the, the game yeah. at the angle you came at it at. 
Yeah, I think so, to be honest. But also the idea that Dawn, which is all about excess and everything, either be the best Disney villain you can or be the best hero you can or be whatever else, just appeals to me from a LARPing sense. Yeah. I broadly like LARP to be about extremes and about big drives and big goals and big ambitions. Because if I wanted to be sensible and reasonable, I'd be in work. Yeah. yeah. A LARP should be yeah. everything turned up to 11 to my mind. Yeah. It ends up. So which, so which one's Bowman? The, uh, the Disney villain or the... <laughs> The house was originally designed to be a mix between the Kennedys and the Lannisters. It was the idea of a very clannish bunch that stuck together and tended to back each other in their plays. Yeah. A real interest in politics, but also the sense that they were they were trying for big goals, they were trying to achieve something. Mm-hmm. And okay, the house both from the beginning says we've been here from the start of the empire, we've been here at the end. In the meantime, we will stay at the empire to its glory. And our idea was always very much that we were Dawnish, but our focus was external to Dawn. It was about moving the empire in the direction that was good for Dawn and good for what we believe to be right. So some of that is like in accordance with the virtues, some is accordance with just a general kind of belief that you know the empire is better when it does great deeds. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much where we've always been in the sort of centre of politics ever since. Yeah. So we've hosted generals, cardinals, senators, all of the big names, really, to be honest, archmages and various different uh, kind of sections of the game. So we've always kind of worked very hard to put ourselves in political positions with the idea of steering towards the empire in the direction we wanted to, again, which is that everything turned up to 11. Because broadly, we feel Danish people have a better grasp of what the empire needs than <laughs> some other nations. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it gives you a good like, motive to do anything that you do, right? That's the thing. It's just like what I do might not objectively be the right, you know, the the, the correct thing, but uh, for me, it's the correct thing for for Dawn yeah. or, and, and the Empire. You know, at the very start, they asked for goals to be filled in when they were putting in together like the backgrounds, the very first characters, and one of mine had been get the Barons for Dawn, and it was pretty much a, a major driving force to my character all the way through. And has until recently when we achieved it had been something that was so many years in the making. But it was exceedingly difficult to get there because it was the territory that we claimed and held on to, but it was always difficult to get that many people together. Yeah. And over enough time and involved a lot of toing and froing and a lot of close but not close enough, and then a sudden invasion on another front, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So it has not been a, a smooth process. And the part of the reason the fun for it now is that it's changed the demographic of Dawn and the layout, because now there are four different people settings for set different senators. There'll be more armies as we build and that kind of stuff. So it was a bit of growth that I think Dawn fundamentally needed because we have more people competing for less, if that makes sense, as the game's grown. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm glad you, you said that as well, because like when we came, we came into the game, it felt like when... I was starting to grasp the situation with like the barons and that it just, it felt like up until like the, the end of last year, I, I kind of went, this just seems like an impossible, an impossible task. And then when it mm. kind of happened, it almost, when people talk about it, it almost feels like it's like a trivial thing, but from what you're saying, it, 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 no, it has it been something that huge. <laughs> well, part of it to describe it delicately is Phil made a, a final very risky proposition that paid off and that cost the hounds of glory but it was the only way we were getting it done in a reasonable time scale yeah and it was more and it was much more of a story and it's so very dawnish to sacrifice everything to achieve your goal regardless of the cost oh it was so good it's oh. <laughs> a huge amount of game a huge amount of drive a huge amount of payoff and a huge amount of people's belief in 
what is the destiny of Dawn and our future and where we go next. Yeah. I think there's an awful lot of people, but I think one of the things a lot of people who've come to the game later possibly don't necessarily have the full context of is for an awful lot of us who've been playing from the start. There have been literally hundreds of characters who died in the pursuit of that. <laughs> so for many people who've come, like you guys have been around for a while, you've seen some deaths, etc. Like yeah. But for some people who've come in, like maybe in the last year or so, they don't realize that there's a, a, a huge list. It would be like a, a cenotaph. Yeah. In yeah. terms of the sheer number yeah. of names. Yeah, and, and you're saying like, like you're not talking about like fictional in the world. You're talking about like characters playing the game that have died trying to get this done. Yeah, absolutely. So for many ways, for us, it was the kind of payment for everyone who'd given the role to get this done. So for us, it was uh, attempting to effectively achieve the ambitions of the people who'd gone before and could no longer achieve them. Because yeah. one of the things about Dawn is we're massively big about funerals and deaths, and then people give their last request, you know, remember my name, tell a story in my name, bring the barons home, you know, see that our people are protected, all of those different things. So for an awful lot of us, it was a culmination of a story that had been 10 years in the making. Yeah, it was it was great. Were you, um, were you pleased with how how the game like the game the game runners like reacted to it all like like this the stuff we got at the end and like the you know obviously we got to go do the conjunction and um how it kind of played out with the druge and that i was very much so and not just how the specific, how the uptime things went the uptime things were wonderful moving but there was things like the the flowers across the barrens which coven got to be involved in it felt like when they did it it made an awful lot of different areas of the game come to life for an awful lot of people yeah. like it wasn't just about the generals and the senators at that point in time it was about huge numbers of people that were all getting engaged and involved and i think the big projects the big national projects are the ones that i enjoy the most in so many ways because usually when pd do their stuff well some some hits well some hits what they're aiming for and some doesn't i think yeah. in the case of the barons it hit very well but it brought in just about every section of the of the nation together to care about it but by remove it brought in just about huge swathes of the game to care mm -hmm. as well yeah so other people gave a shit about the barons <laughs> and getting it and that kind of stuff some that's the thing the, the, the game that i just brought Everyone, Everyone, like from yeah. from the moment where um we were all successful to the the marching in past everyone, like that was incredible. And then like that conjunction, it was just like because I remember at the time Oliver and I like were I remember after it happened, we were sitting out of character discussing it, and we were like, wow all these stories that we've been hearing people tell about all these past um battles and everything we we have been part of something now that we're going to get to tell people when they come to <laughs> anvil for the first time we're going to get to tell them about like you That's, know yeah. we were here we were there when it happened we got to go and visit this the, the, the ghosts of the fallen and everything yeah. until we died yeah. so we got to tell uh, people yeah. <laughs> like, even the going to the, the ghosts of the fallen etc like that was three different people who all went off and got truly out phil who plays tancred jez who plays zadkiel who's the cardinal of pride and Ginny, who plays vivienne who's the cardinal of ambition so mm. pride ambition and i think phil is possibly still loyalty dedicant as well mm -hmm. so the three kind of virtues that i felt most led to us getting the barons were also the three people who'd gone off from various different areas and got either collections to get to the money to get truly out or got it from their assemblies or got it from the gatekeepers council and they had that truly out there to do that shrine and then to do other projects as well so i felt like again it was an awful lot of aspects of the game all coming together yeah it was and then there were so many people dead characters there so people <laughs> yeah. sometimes who died on the battlefield like um Dara's character who oh. uh, from orzel was 
able to say the goodbyes they hadn't because they'd lost on the battlefield and you don't get to do that unless you make it back to the glory square so i think yeah there's a lot of really nice moments like that yeah yeah at least we made it back to the glory square <laughs> yeah. honestly i would like to everyone to be able to make it back with their character if they can yeah if you see what i mean like obviously especially in dawn because that's like it's part of like it's, that's what i've heard you know people going about other nations i know that other nations have their own morning thing but one of the it's one of the big role play aspects of dawn is that we have mm. that that big make a big deal when uh, they're in the glory square you know yeah like it's the last final send-off and also yeah. to a degree it's the validation by which they have everything they've achieved over the years you know if they were a big name that tried really hard one of the things that makes that more palatable and pushes people to go and do stuff is they understand that even if you die you're still going to get a cool send-off which i mean i think in many ways stops people wussing out yeah. If you yeah. know what I mean, in a sense, yeah. that, like, there is something at the end. This is not like you die on a battlefield and people forget and pretend and don't really care that you're gone. You get that moment of cool, which allows people to take that one step further forward in the battlefield yeah. or do something impressive or because it's still validated, even though it's been a death. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah. That's the thing. Like that type of game that you get there, like you just said, you don't, um, since dying, I think it's in one of my top experiences of LARP so far was dying because of the the words from everybody in the glory square the um the send-off we had and then everything afterwards as well um the bleed was terrible i don't want to go through that again mm. but the actual <laughs> the actual send-off after was just so incredible and i'm like wow this is something that i think it is really great to experience for for everybody to go and experience that sort of thing but like you said what made it so cool was that we died in a cool way on the battlefield. We did something glorious to end up in that situation, which yeah. it just made it so much better, I think. And I think the bleed is probably helped by knowing that you had an impact rather than just being like wrapped up in a bag and put in the bin. Well, that, <laughs> that, was, that was it. I mean, that, that was part <laughs> of, that was, you know, what was bleeding as well was the fact that it was just, it wasn't, you know, just, oh yeah, obviously, you know, these character interactions, but it was like a whole like, you know, oh, the, these these people came up and told us that they noticed us as as players as much as characters. You know, yeah. I mean, oh yeah, you know, you did this, you did that, and you know, there was this moment, this moment, and you just kind of sit there going, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah we did all that. That was pretty. That was pretty damn cool. <laughs> I like that. That was one of the things I liked the most at Dawn. Is I genuinely like hearing what people have done. So if someone comes back from a big quest or a big negotiation or a big battle or Christ, it doesn't really matter what, to be honest. Anything like sort of challenge the Iron Duke or various different things. I like to hear the stories because it is a cool moment of time and LARP is fundamentally built on memories that you made. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I'm really very, very kind of particular about people being remembered what they've done to make mm. sure that that feeds in because ultimately it makes the game world richer for all of us. And mm -hmm. I like the way the wiki's grown with people who did this, that and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But also I like people to feel that they got their money's worth in terms of cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're playing it, but we're playing it to, yeah, to, to be heroes at the end of the day, right? Yeah, pretty know. much. Hero, great heroes, great villains, great... Great, whatever. <laughs> villains too, yeah. Villains too. Don't worry. Oh, I would like the villains as well. <laughs> it's not actually me. I'm thinking about. Funnily enough, it's actually the Vexil because they are one of my favourite takes on Dawn mm. because they yeah. are effectively the Maleficent kind of Disney end of the stuff. They're not mm. a villain who basically sneaks up and let your car tires down when you're not looking. You know, you see the moment with them. You hear what they're doing, why they're doing it, the decisions they made, the 
the, the scheming with the Druze at one point in time to mm. trick them into a trap, that kind of stuff. There's a whole ah. bunch of really clever stuff they've done from a kind of dark reflections of dawn. Like the Ossians were another example. Mm. They were absolutely a lady by the name of Sarah at the time was playing mm-hmm. Orlean de Ossian. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember her first name for a second. And she was absolutely magnificent. She'd have done Angela de Jolie proud with Maleficent. It was genuinely picture perfect. In every way there was, to be honest, like her her rod was a skull with a crown on it that she used to have all the different things. She was playing a catacambium uh, with the big horns. Everything was brasses and golds. And the she had contacts in at the time that just gave you the most kind of unsettling sort of, I can't quite reach your eyes, but you're being just that level of polite on the side of but enough teeth showing in yeah. every smile that makes you go, okay, I'm going to check the exit and make sure there's no one between me and it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I love that. Like when 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 it came to us sort of like creating the new characters, we were kind of thinking, you know, well, let's um. We always tell people, oh, you don't want to go being like an edge lord or something. That's a little mm. bit harder to role play. And so we decided yeah. to go ahead and make edge lords. Um, just to see what <laughs> happened. But I was like looking at like the sort of different people and Vex Seal were the ones that I was like, gosh, they they have this villain thing just just down like like when every every time i've had a conversation with them i'm like i don't think i'm safe right now but i don't know why i don't know why i think whatever it is you've already done it and i think you're just telling me that you have done it and i don't know what to do about this now but like they they, they are the the way that they they have um vexil is incredible and i definitely took a bit of inspiration there when it came to trying to make nymeria a bit more like uh yeah teeth i'm going to keep it's that like, in my night teeth the way I put it is this is that knight's tale is a wonderful film it's very good as an inspiration for dawn but it wouldn't be the same thing without rufus sewell's character in it as well yes if you see what yep. i mean yes. yeah yep. you know what i mean it drives the story it pushes people to be better i think great rivals and great competition and people that you're struggling very hard to beat in a particular arena are in many ways some of what pushes the game on while well, you know, you should recognize the people who oppose you and thank them for it because the game would be much worse without them there. Yeah. If everything was dead easy and there was no, there'd be no success and there'd be no enjoyment. Mm-hmm. In it. Yeah. So like um, with Beaumont, when I've seen, I've seen Beaumont in a lot of um, different situations, obviously so far um, out on the battlefield and things like that. But the like, I think everybody seems to think the battlefield's a scary bit. The only time that I've seen Beaumont do something that I've been like, oh, that's really scary, is when you're standing up and speaking and addressing people in such a political way, especially when um, when everything was happening with the barons and you stood up to speak about um, where the barons should go. I remember watching you give this incredible speech and everything. I remember the everybody running around looking for fake blood beforehand and things. And I was like, what is what what is Beaumont doing? It's, it's like, what is he? That was quite funny. So what was going through your head? How did you come up with everything there? Because that was that was intense to watch. Um <laughs> That was actually the result of about an hour sat in the middle of Glory Square because my house is buzzing. There's tons of people around. Everyone's around. So when I knew that I had put the motion in and we were going for the allocation of the barons, mm-hmm. uh, somebody walked past and I can't remember who it was. It was like someone I half cut a comment and they said something like, well, well, of course, we're going to get the barons. We've shed enough blood for it. Mm-hmm. And that was when the thing clicked into my head about Donish blood and the barons and otherwise. And I think it was kind of harking back on something PD had put up as a wind of fortune, maybe a season or two or three seasons ago mm-hmm. and it was talking about somebody turned up and was all like well 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 we'll do this thing and we'll do all this kind of stuff and it was somebody coming as a priest from another nation and then getting absolutely schooled by the Donish people about how 
the Barons has been our national obsession for so many years. And it talks about kind of memorial stones that they'd have to move because they'd run out of space for them. And it was just them being lined up against the wall with all of these names of the house and their friends and their allies and the, the kind of knight errant. Yeah. And I just thought very much about the fact that this had been the driving force of one of the biggest nations in the game with a huge number of people who go on adventure and how many people we'd lost. And some of the names that I spoke about that speech were people whose characters that, I don't even know if they're still playing the system in many cases, but they had been so critically important to my character at one time before they died. And then we had the cup of... Aldon Sarvas, I think. It was. Yeah, what was what was to do with the cup? Because I got to admit, like, yeah, the cup was a thing that had come, had been recovered. It was the cup of ambition. All oh, right, okay. And with Alfmund, who is a Stormcrow from Wintermark, mm. who's an ambition dedicated priest, and I believe was still the Inquisitor of Ambition at the time, had recovered this cup and I loaned it to me because, to my mind, the cup of ambition was about people sharing a drink. Mm to celebrate the the league being brought into the empire whereas i thought the cup to catch the blood from the bodies that had fallen that day to collect that battle was very much the the sacrament effectively that dawn had spent mm. it wasn't a drink it wasn't wine it wasn't a delicate set of tea or perhaps a, a light gin and tonic it was literally that we'd spent blood like water to achieve this mm. and i was incandescent at the idea that someone would try and compete from us or take from us what had been our ambition as a nation for years and kind of crossed all the different house and national divides. Effectively, it was a thing that we had all done rather than any specific individual house or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So the speech was attempting to bring that out and seemed to go down well. <laughs> yeah, it did. It, it, it. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty incredible. <laughs> I think the thing that probably stuck to me the most is I am the person who has the opportunity now to come forward and speak before the Senate on behalf of this, but I am not the person who has done this. Yeah, you know, it was it was very much the feeling that there had been generals beyond count, there had been senators that had come before and gone, there had been individual Donish citizens, knight errants, uh, yo folk. Everyone had spent an awful lot of time and effort to get to there, and it felt like I was being given in many ways the privilege to get to be the person who had the last word on the subject. But it very much was meant to be a recognition of everyone, everything that we had done as a nation to get there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it seemed to make sense as well. I mean, cause it's how how long have you been in the um? the like political senator game for first event yeah first event (laughs) Um, at the first event myself and my friends had a bit of an idea Mm -hmm. we realized that at the early stages of the game you could go forward with your house and fight and that was how attorneys were decided for who took the senatorship oh the very first time we went out we realized that there was probably a chance we could pull a scheme just to see what would happen so right before we went off in our very first battle, I went forward and said I would be standing for the center of Astalad and thanked them all for coming. Mm-hmm. But we didn't need to go ahead with the tourney and everyone just went, oh, and saw the people in blue and silver behind me in a huge wave. And everyone went, no problem, you're the center for Astalad. What they hadn't realized is that none of my people had stepped forward. Oh, yeah. So none of my house were committed. To oh, that, at which point right. <laughs> I stepped aside, having an award the center for Astalad. And then the rest of my house stepped forward with my brother at the time, Black Arctic called Sparks who went in and said, I'll be the center for summer home. And they went, oh, <laughs> you've just played us. And we're like, yep, get used to it. This is how it's going to go. Oh. And that was it. So it was a nice trick from the early stage. Now, he didn't mm-hmm. make it out of the battle, but neither here nor there, to be honest. Yeah. But it was still really fun to try that kind of politics and scheming right from the start. Mm-hmm. Did they? So, oh, right. So the, you so you did like a tournament back then. Did, did, the, did PD just let the nations decide how they're picking their senators? Uh, no, we have no, free was, that? No. no, absolutely. At that point in time, it was a tournament, and the winner got to choose who was the senator. Uh-huh. So, so who changed that? Did PD change that? Or, or... PD changed it about two or three years ago. No, right. Okay. This is a 
it's one of those things I think PD changed it to move in favor of the voting favors to attempt mm -hmm. to make it a bit more accessible in practical terms. I'm not sure I think it has become more accessible. I think it has become more physically accessible while being less so than less so than otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, like, I agree there. Yeah. Like back in the old days, what you could do is go around in small scale and get a load of houses to vote for you and then turn up and that represented military fight, which would be a massive swing vote in terms of winning on the field. You could spend a lot of time practicing. You could be good in a fight otherwise. You could do all these different things. Or also, you could be weavers, which were a big portion of the Dornish Brief. Mm -hmm. And the weavers could trade magic items and favors. And in terms of magical enchantments, they could put on people and things like that, which could make a massive swing in the fight. So in practical terms, you had yo folk who could almost in many ways cast a vote as effectively. Alchemists could hand over potions to support their favorite candidate. Mages could do rituals, you could mm -hmm. do a whole bunch of things. So there was a whole, if you want to call it logistics chain behind the fact that could be used to make sure which side was liable to win the tourney. For example, the mass effects. Yeah. So in practical terms, people who weren't noble or weren't maybe weren't as comfortable being a politician per se mm -hmm. could have an awful lot more sway than they do now. Because now it's oh, about right, one, yeah. noble, one vote, if you see what I mean. And I understand why Paddy changed it, and I think their intent was good. In practical terms, I don't think it's worked out as well as it could have done, yeah. because it's it's kind of assisted in some ways for accessibility, while in practical terms, yeah. toned it down in others. And I think yeah. it's a balancing act. And I think with all of these things, they're a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, because because the other they have a flavour, don't they? Like obviously, I think it's like the marches. The people have farms get to vote. Is it farms they get to vote and bar? It's like the the herb gardens it's, it's very difficult with dawn i suppose to be like right thematically who what you know what makes sense who who gets to vote or who gets to decide yeah. you know so if sort of like if you, if you were in charge of it how would you how would you how would you do it i would lock it to territories so i would say yeah. only the citizens for only the nobles from aslat would do it would be one i don't think i'd put it on a resource my feeling is that I like Dawn for the multi-levels it is, and I think a war witch is just as valuable as a soldier. And I think if you and war witches will need mana mithril sites, uh, mana sites, etc., like that to do to do their magic. So they'll probably have a mana site. If you just made it military units, which is probably the one that most people would think of, I think you'd lose an awful lot of the flavor. Which yeah. is why I like it being a thing tied to a social status of being a noble rather yeah. than being tied to any kind of different resource or otherwise. And I think that changes things slightly because, for example, in the league, you can spend an awful lot of money to boost up your congregate, boost up your business, at which point mm. you get to vote with a higher strength, which mm. can skew things, which means sometimes you get a kind of oligarchy forming. Mm -hmm. You can also do a variety of different rituals that make the strength of the the various different assets better so streams of silver streams of gold etc which in terms will also give you a lot more voting strength to do a thing yeah and i think keeping it as nobles and keeping it territory locked effectively creates a constituents yeah the, senators the, if that makes sense yeah, no, that's yeah, 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 yeah. way more sense to me you know it makes especially since we get like the favors for different uh yeah. territories at different events as well you know um it, it makes it a little bit kind of it seems to make sense to me anyway you know it does i think also what would happen is i feel if it was down to constituents you would almost get senators that represent their territory better mm -hmm. like asla is meant to be the heart of the empire and it fundamentally is it's meant to be bucolic south of france you know everything's brilliant 
the wine's fantastic. Yeah. The food is great. The people are pretty. The sun shines all the time. Yeah, especially, especially it, Rome, right? Like basically, basically, if the enemies re asked that, we're all fucked, aren't we? Basically, that's the well, it, yes, <laughs> yeah. pretty yeah. much. So it's yeah. it's right in the heart of the empire. And it's yeah. meant to be great in every way, and it's meant to be this place with a massive surfeit of money and resources and things like that. The people then go out and do great deeds around the empire. But like for Weirwater, for example, is meant to be spooky. It's meant to have dark woods and dells that don't go into and bandits that settle up nearby and weird monsters and spooky stuff and the Semerlach and things like that as well. And you know, that's my feeling is that if those territories were locked, the houses would have more of a flavor and the flavor would come through to the type of senators they picked. So you might see more of a kind of different areas of Donish life being shown and a kind of yeah. start yeah, and from like, that, whereas instead of it's a bit more who makes the most convincing pitch across the whole of the event. Also, yeah, you're, you're adding flavour to a fantasy setting, right? So, you know, the, in most political things you see on the, you know, on a fantasy programme, it's just like, oh yeah, here's the, here's the senator for whoever, this planet, and it's like, it, it's a representation, like you said, of um, that that planet, you know? So how cool would it be if you had the, the, different, the different senators... Um, even even throughout the whole empire, I think it'd be quite cool if yep. you could go in. You know how you look at all the, you know, you, you walk around Anvil and you're like, oh, that's a Navari, that's a, that's a Wintermarkey. Yeah, yeah. How cool would it be um, if you went into Senate and and went, oh, I'm I'm pretty sure that's that looks like a senator from Hercinia, uh, Hercinia or whatever, and that looks like mm. someone from Astolat. You know, yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I think it would, to be honest. And I think the different territories now, PD are starting to spread out plot a bit more around the different territories, I think they should have more of a flavour to themselves. And while, like, for example, if Spiral was at the moment held by the League and had come back from what was an urgent territory, it would be interesting to see if a territory flipped in play for one reason or other, like, was conquered or lost or did something like that at all, and that the senator and the people changed, and you got that flavour in the thing. So I like the idea of the territories being, or maybe even just changed nations. So, for example, like, back in the past, there was a suggestion that Holberg lined itself up to go join the League rather than Dawn, though they were both technically from the same space. I like the idea that each of the different territories have their own characteristics as well. Mm-hmm. And that has a nice style and a look to it and anything that looks more distinct, especially now that the game has grown so much more. Yeah. There's enough room for probably, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, 80 people. Yeah. Yeah. In each of the different nations and each of the different territories in Dawn. So there is now enough, I would say, critical mass for them to be quite distinct. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, more draw gear and wear water, for example, than other yeah, like, other areas of Dawn. That's the thing, because like, I, I when um when, when I first created Aronel, I read the different um, breeds to different areas, and it was Astala I, I made her from, of course, because, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I fell in love with the idea of this beautiful, unique rose garden um, in Astala, it be, being like the heart of the place, and I just pictured all these beautiful roses and beautiful people and everything else, and I just thought, wow, that just seems so, so, like... Um, Plus, I was making her more like a hero as well. It just yeah. felt like that's where she would be. Um, and now that I'm in Weirwater and I'm like reading through the stuff there and I'm like, oh, well, that seems like you'd be a bit more hardened because you haven't been around all the pretty roses and the lovely perfumes and everything. Hmm. You've had to actually make sure you're um, a bit more capable in just going out of your house because we're surrounded by this really spooky woods and things like yeah. that. So I thought, well, you'd look slightly different and you'd react slightly different. And then for the other ones as well. So hmm. when I did first come, I did kind of think, oh, 
because I, I I spent forever trying to pick where I was from because I thought yeah. that would make quite a big difference as to how I would behave and how I would act and everything like that. But I do like that sort of idea of you getting your different groups and being like, oh, they're clearly from Astala, aren't they? Look at them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think you see that in some of the other territories. Like you see a real divide amongst the various different Rushkins from which territory they're from because they have mm. quite a distinctive flavor of them. Like Ossian come in the last with Rosa Ascender for a long period, et cetera, like that. But there was a very much a sense that with Ossian, they had something to prove. Or certainly that was the vibe I got from Rosa and the other groups there because they came in last to the Empire in many ways yeah. at that time. And they were just like, don't you worry, we're just as good as the rest of you. And then, I never would in be did you I? A bit for that one. So, <laughs> yeah, which I always I liked, but it always meant that they were very driven to achieve stuff and to get things done because you could see that they were trying really hard to get up to speed, to fix their territory, to build a new army, to do all of the different things that had been done before by all the other different kind of sections. And it's really cool. And I think that's a good driver. Like if we take a new territory for the empire, I think it should be an opportunity for something new to come out. Yeah. And that's having its own character and its own vibe about it allows that to be played out properly. Yeah, like what makes that territory special? What 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 drives the people that have chosen to live there or, or what's yeah. shaped the warriors that have come from there, you know? And yeah, it should it should be different. And, yeah, because yeah, technically know. we'd we'd have people coming uh as as all the barons are being being liberated, we've we we'd have people that have yeah, not really interacted that much with the Empire who are Dornish people coming in and having lived completely different lives uh, to the people we're used to seeing at Anvil, you know, so you could have fun yeah. with that. I draw inspiration for the Barons folks for people from the Border Reavers kind of area in that whole period because they were living in effectively fortified manor houses up against Druze raiding them all the time, possibly raiding each other. You know, that whole kind of area with the Black Douglases, et cetera, about mm. kind of Northumberland, et cetera, all of those different sections and the lowlands of the Scotland where they were effectively at each other, effectively stealing from each other and setting things on fire and, and kind of, you know, raiding all that time. <laughs> I figure someone from the Barons would probably have come from that kind of mindset. Yeah. Like you can't imagine they go wandering through the feeds fields with little baskets, you know, la, 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 la. Yeah. They probably would be have someone up in a tower keeping watch while they were doing, you know, dealing with farming or any of this kind of stuff because there is that constant set of danger and threat. Yeah. yeah, which means they're probably thinking about things differently, as you say, mm. than someone who came from Bastlat, which is the most bucolic section of the Empire, where everything's safe and everything's fine. You could have a lot of fun right now, actually, bringing mm. a new character in from there, because you could do you could totally write that all in and be like, yeah, well, for the past, you know. 10 years or so I've been by myself keeping Druze away you know what have you mm -hmm. lot been doing out here you know mm -hmm. and and stuff you could be you could come in quite angry or you could yeah. come in like quite you know a really capable fighter of yeah I actually grew up mm -hmm. you know fighting them and defending everything and stuff you could there's so many ways you could do it mm -hmm. you could also come in and um because so many people from different nations where they're fighting in the barns for so yeah. long you could come in with all these connections of yeah mm -hmm. you know like oh it was my house that you guys came and you know I, yeah. I gave you somewhere to sleep when you were fighting and defending that area you could just oh, so many things you could do <laughs> absolutely you could equally come in with an idea that effectively I'm okay good we've won so how are we holding it 
what are you doing? What's the money? What new forts are you building? How are you spending the money? What are you pouring into it? You could come in from someone who was maybe not noble, but was on a test of metal, but their a goal was to build a new fortification in the center yeah. of the barons or to reinforce it in some shape or form or to help formulate a new army. You could do any one of a thousand oh, different yeah. things. If it. you wanted to come in and be a senator for the barons as a new character and be like, hey. I'm know. from the barons. I want to be. Yeah, yeah. exactly that. Mm. That's that type of thing, yeah. Um, so uh, you you obviously been in the senator game since the first the first game. So that's obviously the game you enjoy doing. What what is it about like the political side of LARP? <laughs> what is it? Because it does seem like type two fun, right? It's it's it, it's, it can be. Mm. I I lost a bet with my friend Helly, who wanted to play a general. I wanted to play a general at first of all. She's like, no, we'll flip, we'll kind of effectively flip a coin. And she was desperately general. So I went, right, fine. Well, I suppose I'll go and do the senator then. And at the time, I didn't know I was going to enjoy it. It felt like because my friend had done an awful lot of the job in Maelstrom that was the senator's job, she wanted to change a pace. So I said, yeah, all right, fine, whatever. So I'll carry on kind of thing. And then I got into it and... It's interesting in a lot of ways because it really is, it's about public, it's effectively a mix of public speaking and a mix of understanding backroom politics. So I suspect like every town councillor and every kind of MP of a junior level probably could do an awful lot of the same skill set as it takes to be a good yeah. senator. Mm -hmm. But it also requires you to inload, or to my mind anyway, obviously this is my take on it, everyone will have a different one. You need to have a good grasp of an awful lot of what's going on in the empire. So I rather obsessively read the winds when they come out because something will come up on the floor of the senate that relates to them and i have to have an opinion on them to my mind before they get there because i will go and find out more information to back it up but if say for example someone's come and asking for 400 thrones and our budget's 800 i need to work out to my satisfaction whether i think that 400 is well spent or it's a pointless vainglorious useless project designed to put a statue of someone up when in practical terms we need fortifications or armies to be resupplied or whatever it is but fundamentally the empire is a finite level of resources compared and it's not enough for everything we should be doing so it's a careful allocation both of the kind of budget towards military aims but also so that it's not just a game that's all about war yeah you know you yeah. want to spend the money to support other aspects of the game so you want to expand things you want to get more truly out so people in visions you do otherwise i think the Senate is in many ways the steerage committee for the Empire because we allocate the resources that other people need, whether it's building new armies, building fortifications and declare the wars and those kind of things and spend the budget and then other aspects of the game cascade from there. Mm -hmm. At practical terms, I think the Empire is not got enough for all of our various different ambitions and I think our eyes are somewhat bigger than our belly at the moment and various different things like the cold sun for example have made things even more challenging from a point of view from our generals to try and struggle it but I also feel that the problems now are multiplying um, my first degree was in Byzantine history which means that I have an interesting take on how the center cannot hold and everything starts to fall apart and all those different things and I've tried very hard over the course of being a senator to try and Put aside sometimes what I want in the short term yeah, in favor of putting out a fire. That's meta gaming, Grace. <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. Uh, so like, but yeah, but it's 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 interesting because that's kind of is that that's what you'd expect from a game called Empire, and you're running yeah. an empire, yeah. though, right? Um, that's 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 the the main challenge. Um, do, you, do you think it is actually the? Do you think it's probably one of the harder jobs in? because uh, it, it doesn't seem like a very entry level job like it's it's I, I think you could probably come to your first ever event get elected as a general and be kind of 
handheld a little bit and, and kind of get yourself in, sort of. But I, I just can't see it happening with a senator, you know? I don't know that I agree that a general's any easier. I think yeah. they're both very difficult, but I think they're not necessarily... They're more about qualities you have as a person or skills you're willing to learn, I think, than they are about knowledge of the system, per se. Mm-hmm. Like, I think... A, a, a month's wiki diving beforehand would probably prep you as well as you need. Really? Okay. But I think to a degree, for being a good senator, you probably need to practice till you're comfortable speaking before a large audience mm-hmm. to deliver the best of it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you think you probably want to have an idea of some goals that you've got. And I don't mean just the ones that pop up and plot mm-hmm. as I kind of, you know, I want to fix this problem because it's just occurred. Mm-hmm. But I think as a senator or a general, you probably want to have some kind of longer term. This is what I'd like to achieve because it's the thing you do when you get 15 minutes of peace and quiet. Yeah. <laughs> as you go back and start working on that that project to try and push it forward yeah, yeah. and i think it's also quite a, a trope i suppose in many ways from film you know i only joined the i only joined the congress or the senate or the mp as a, as a parliament as a because i wanted to root out corruption in my local area mm-hmm. and make sure that the trains ran on time for example yeah. i think that's a good backstop as a motivation for why someone would be a senator like as you talked about earlier about someone joining to be a new senator for the barons they could come in with an idea to build a thing or do a thing. Yeah. And that drives them to be a senator and therefore is the, the kind of the hero's tale of, you know, go forward, get to be a senator, go ask for the money to get their project, get told no because something else is, then go back, start again and start working through it as well. Yeah, because you, you want, yeah, you want a story. Like, I think you, you said something similar earlier, but like you want, you want to have a story. It's not just otherwise it's a job. Otherwise you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go, why, why are you going for general? Because I want to be general. Why are you going for senator? I want to be a senator. But if you have like a story, like, oh, I want to, you know, uh, I want to destroy. You know, I want to destroy the the Druze, or I want to take the Barons back. That's a, that's a yep. story, isn't it? That's not a job. That's not you showing yeah. up, yeah. going to meetings. It's like, oh, right, I have an objective to do. Right. Everyone should have a Don Quixote tilting at windmills kind of goal. I feel at Empire, one they are going to struggle to achieve in the time that they play because it's the thing that you can do when nothing else is going on mm-hmm. and be working towards. And I think sometimes in in LARP you will get an awful people will have an awful lot of ideas and drive and things that's off screen because you never really comes up and play and because some people don't automatically declaim their their heart's desire to the first person they meet which means it needs to be something in your head that motivates you and having that kind of big goals and drive i think is a great thing to keep yourself going forward yeah yeah it, it kind of bends the whole story together mm, yeah so so what's um what's your what's your event like if if someone's playing a senator what is your event? I know it's probably lots of meetings, but it is. But if someone's, if someone's interested in that type of game coming into the game yeah. or has looked at it and went, oh, what is it like? Like, what, what is your day to day weekend like? First things first, generally for me, is pretty much close to time in. I'm electing a new general okay. uh, nearly every event. Um, that, that is probably the kind of the first thing that I do. Usually I start by kind of shortly after six, sort of pulling together everyone who's a general candidate who wants to stand that point in time, any of the current incumbent who's there. And then between myself, sometimes it's me sheepdogging the other senator, sometimes the other senator sheepdogging me. So we all need to be in one place and one location and do. Once we do that, we go through the general candidates. The candidates are asked generally, I don't know, five or six questions each in a kind of rolling panel. And the idea very much is to try and get an understanding of, do they understand how it works? I.e., Do they have a grasp of what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Do they have the, the thought process that implies that they've put some time and effort into research into doing it? Mm-hmm. Two. 
Three, do they understand their colleagues and the military situation of the empire at the moment? Like, I don't expect someone to be spectacularly good in the math straight off, and that's frankly irrelevant in many ways. There are very different aspects of what a general can do, but I do expect them to be paying attention mm-hmm. because it's a really important role. It has a massive impact on how Dawn interacts with the rest of the world um, and the game world in particular. And if you were getting one of those very limited number of jobs, I'd really like it to be someone who cares strongly about the subject. For good or for ill, it doesn't matter what their goal is. I don't really fundamentally care. I care that they care enough to be using it well and Mm -hmm. doing something interesting with it. And then it's just really a running through that process and attempting to winnow it down to the people who we think will be effective at the job and the other ways. Now, obviously, there's an IC component that if I absolutely hate someone's character, there is no way on earth I'm supporting them for that job. It's just a, that's a practical thing. But I try to sublimate that a little behind whether they'd be a good candidate. And I try to find a way to work through whether I profoundly dislike them, IC, to finding a kind of grudging respect for them if they give good answers and yeah. things like that to do that. Because yeah. you don't want to block someone's ambitions. Nah. But if you really can't stand someone, you don't want to make it nice per se you want to ask the questions in a kind of like cheeky way and a little <laughs> smile and a kind of oh, and then let's see if you can do that so they get the interaction that they've earned from the time that's going but you want to give them that impetus to stand out because again coming back to a knight's tale the main character wouldn't have been the hero if he didn't have someone driving him on yeah and playing against that so it pushes people to be better and do stuff and for a lot of dawn is really competitive in terms of generalships we get a lot of really good people who come and there are a lot of good people who become adjutants or adjacent to that kind of stuff as well. It's a real kind of focus, I would say, for Donish players because they like that kind of thing and it's interesting as part of the story. Once that's out of the way, then we rush to the civil service and tell them who our new general elect is going to be. Once that's done, they then have to rush themselves off to military council to get there. I'll have some time, usually a couple of hours before the first of the Senate sessions. In that time period, I'm usually going over what's going on and what's liable to come up on the table so for example we might be declaring war on another nation at which point i need to kind of to at least feel informed i need to know who what that other nation's got whether they're on our border where they're going to hit us what's the liable outcomes and this kind of stuff so every senate motion that's going to be going forward that evening i will probably try and do some prep work and try and get a grasp of what's going on with them and various different things if it is my election season i am also attempting to speak to people who are my electee my constituents to try and see that they'll continue to support me again and if there's any questions or anything they want driven forward so it's quite busy on the first night um the other days there's two different senate sessions uh usually after the battle for the first one and then later in the evening for the second one. So the second day is a little less politically driven because I'm out on the battlefield or I'm monstering, first yeah. of all, on those different days. So it means you kind of come back, have enough time to clean yourself up. Ideally, have something to eat, unless it's been a particularly harrowing battle, and then you're off to, then you're off to the meeting. <laughs> yep. And again, the meetings on the Saturday are probably the ones with an awful lot of the more contentious issues come forward. Okay. Mainly because people have probably spent Friday night trying to take the the temperature of the room if they're pushing something difficult. Uh, awkward. I see. Mm-hmm. Oh, and right. also because on the Saturday we are the way when we tend to spend most of our budget because a lot of people resist spending money on the Friday night because there's usually a lot more information to be found out over the course of the event. Whereas if we spend all our budget on Friday night, it can be quite embarrassing whenever we say, and oh, now we need to spend 400 thrones or... Uh, territory falls under the sea and we're like oh well <laughs> funny story we spent it all is a little awkward so we try to avoid doing we that. built some pretty statues i'm sorry you're underwater <laughs> yeah look statues will survive underwater it'll be great sure like, it'll be a, an exciting uh atlantis like experience that we can charge people to go and see i'm sure that'll go well mm. <laughs> oh my gosh um so 
So Shave, I've not had much interaction with Beaumont as my new character, mm. but as RNL, I got lots, I had lots mm. of fun, fun game with Beaumont. <laughs> and I really, really did enjoy. I I, I love his way of um helping, but also getting what he wants out of it mm. as well. Because it was that first time that I came and um sat in the ridiculously large Durandal tent mm. um, with you at the table and I came out being all happy being like oh Beaumont's gonna support me and then I was like wait what did I just I just promised him something <laughs> oh shit <laughs> I now need to deliver on that <laughs> I didn't even think about that um, yeah no I've had a lot of like amazing game with you but none with uh, Nymeria and Beaumont so are you coming to any player events anytime soon? Yes, the next one I'm doing is the Donish Murder Castle event, which is start of February. Um, I think it's going to be absolutely spectacular. Two people, Ginny, who I mentioned earlier, who uh -huh. plays Vivienne uh, de Cordifer, the Cardinal of Ambition, is marrying um, oh, yeah. Gabriel yeah, Barossa. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be amazing. Uh, we're all calling it Donish Murder Castle Wedding because the joke tagline that we're using amongst ourselves is, I too have a gift for the bride, bridegroom. <laughs> because everyone's going along because it's two very big, very political families that have a long history and connection with each other mm. are going to have what effectively is a massive kind of like wedding of state in many ways. Mm. So the two parties that have been friends for a very, very long time, but they're also two political houses with an awful lot driving them, one from the league, one from Dawn. And it's going to be interesting to yeah. do that. And there'll be a lot of rivalries and things like that. And then there's a, a really star-studded guest list and a bunch of things like that as well. So it'll be an awful lot of fun. And Ginny, uh, sorry, Ginny and Jez and Sally, who are running the game, uh -huh. are people whose games I've hugely enjoyed in the past. So I think they'll do a very good game of it in terms of being interesting go as well and i think there's an awful lot of food planned an awful lot of kind of get together but also it's a kind of post the winter the most of the big long period break if that makes sense so yeah. an awful lot of the people who are going to be there are an awful lot of our friends that have been friends for years oc as well so it's nice to see people yeah yeah right. have you have you have you uh run player events or larps before I have run LARPs before. Yeah. Uh, the one that we probably is one of our more famous ones for a long time is called Project Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Project Ragnarok was set mm -hmm, yeah. in the kind of closing stages of the Second World War. Mm -hmm. And the gist of it was if what if the Nazis had had all of their various different secret societies had actually discovered real magic. So the first game was set effectively when the Battle of the Bulge had gone horribly wrong as a Fimble Winter came down mm -hmm. and froze all of the Allied advance. Effectively, everyone was um, in a cold, in a kind of you know <laughs> Ragnarok winter that landed, and all of these people were almost less refugees that had come in from the various different shattered commands and all the other kind of aspects. And the game went on from there. The next one we're going to do at some point in the future is going to be Tinker Tailor Soldier Sorcerer. Right. And we're going to move the timeline okay. to the 70s. <laughs> yeah. No, we've we put that off. We've looked at places like some of the very kind of brutalist buildings that we can get to hire for the whole weekend yeah. because we wanted to give that vibe and the feel, et cetera, like that of the 70s. And if that kind of, if the magic had continued and had been broken up with the way the rocket sciences were and very everyone had grabbed their own kind of different people of these areas and how it would work from there forward. So if magic had been another kind of effectively means of power that was being used. The gist of it behind the magic was that nothing you get comes without sacrifice. So people were not enjoying being sorcerers, but also they were being constantly pushed by their boss to do that stuff. Effectively, you know, if if you 
if you know that you can find out what someone's secrets are and how you can manipulate them, then your boss is going to make you do that thing. But if you know it's costing you years off your life or your vitality or something like that, do you really want to do it? No, but you might be in a position where you better. And that was the idea was that the game was very much a question of making careful choices to achieve your desired goals and outcomes and how some people were effectively mad with power. And the more of it they did, the worse they got. That sounds incredible. <laughs> it was it was really good fun to do. We did an awful wow. lot of stuff. Some of the tricks we did, as when I talked about earlier, one was one where we had a game where the game was shifting and dimensions were blending and effectively were getting into alternate universes. Mm-hmm. So the players would be in their era, which we'd hired a manor house for the weekend and it was properly nice, yeah. done up all kind of 20s, 30s style. And all of a sudden they'd come back into the manor house and they'd realize that everyone else was in uniforms for having so all the staff that they'd gone away from were in the kind of British uniforms and everyone was like kind of NATO forces there they'd come back and it would be all the other way around the opposition forces had taken over and then everyone was just going on like everything was normal and it just changed so have you ever seen a film called Fatherland no which it's the idea was that they uh, effectively the Nazis had won Mm -hmm. and then 20 years later most of Europe was still kind of controlled by the Nazis Mm -hmm. oh I've seen I've seen things that are follow that same same idea that's that's exactly that that same principle yeah Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> so that was the principle behind it to be honest so they'd That's come back and cool. do that mm. but every time it was shifting all the lights would go out in the building and they'd move into a red light and then the siren a proper silent hill siren would start going and oh. it would just go and go and go and then when things started going wrong and all the dimensional instability was really playing up the sirens were just going endlessly people couldn't sleep they couldn't get a break from it they were tired uh you know eating everything doing everything in red light was difficult and people were just getting really kind of stressed and worn down all the while they were being tacked to threat and do other stuff so the idea was a kind of almost a, a pressure cooker but the idea was to make it so that by the time the time out and the lights came up it was like a blessed relief yeah. and people would just sit down and then they'd get handed around loads of energy drinks and kind of you know rehydration fluids and things like that. and they just sit for a little while and then little snacks for everyone because you know when you put people through stuff that would upset a toddler then you have to give them snacks and, give them some snacks yeah it's the least yeah. you can do <laughs> that was it. we like games with high concepts one of the other ones we wrote after that was one called incarceration which took 25 players and locked them in for the weekend effectively in the idea oh, that it was that set in the cool. aliens universe and they were prisoners that had been transported from a prison shuttle and were put in this prison and they were there to be hosts for aliens but they were just picked out because no one cared and there was a huge amount of backstory like some of them were people from mars that were revolutionaries because mm-hmm. the corporations were grinding them down some of them were absolute crims including one guy who probably lost about a stone and a half. And then him and his friend, Lauren, who plays in Durandal now, covered themselves in Russian mafia tattoos, uh, transfer ones on, and shaved their heads and the whole thing. And it looked absolutely amazing. There was a lot of stuff that people went all out. We did it in a place called in Glasgow called the Glue Factory. And we effectively had what the upstairs area was a gallery. So it's all light and bright and airy space. And it's really beautiful and the sun shines in and it's really kind of idyllic and light. And we set all the offices up there and all the admin staff and everyone there was very pleasant and very happy. You know, there was like tea and coffee machines. Mm. The air smelled always of kind of nice, you know, air fresheners and coffee. And then downstairs in the industrial heartland, but they were basically in bad conditions, eating ration packs from the bag having lost all their sweeties, dressed in these orange jumpsuits from the top of the weekend, from top to bottom. And we fucked with them by not letting them see natural light and changing the clocks. (laughs) So we started out with an hour was, I think it was like 58 minutes long. 
Mm-hmm. Then it went to 56, 52, 54. So by the oh. time that they, oh. so as the game went on, their oh. understanding of what times were. So they were hungry. Their blood sugar was weird because it was actually dinner time, but they weren't hungry because they'd eaten a while ago and then they'd eat something and then it would do, it did a lot of stuff like that to mess with them because oh, they couldn't see crazy. the sky. They had, yeah. they had no idea what time it was. So when people's characters died or were killed out of the game or otherwise, they'd come upstairs and be like, what the? It's only like four o'clock. Yes. I thought it was like nine o'clock at night. And we're like, yes, that was the. So it yeah. kind and of. And this was uh, you that came up with all this. Way yeah, it, was a, it was actually a collection. It was a friend of mine, Jer, who plays Cesare. Yeah. My wife, Jude, um, Dan Waldron, and Laura Waldron, um, as friends of ours that were all kind of involved in the process. Graham, who run, is one of the three runners of PD, was dealing with an awful lot of the admin and computer stuff behind the scenes as well, to be honest. So it was a bit of a collection of us, really. And it all came up with these ideas. But we love the idea of running high concept games. Yeah where you deliver the experience like there are other people who do it now in the uk market as well but i think we weren't the first we were certainly amongst the people who were doing a lot of early adoption and kind of ideas and techniques designed to to give people an experience and then normally one of the big focus of our games was finishing on the saturday night out at kind of a cut at the saturday yeah. so the people at the whole of the next day to come downstairs eat breakfast chill out get yeah. to meet people and decompress a bit before they went home whereas an awful lot of games i think still run to like Sunday afternoon yeah. and then people have to rush around and pack up and go and I quite like giving people that decompression time and the time to talk over the game and did you know this and did this happen and that kind of stuff as well so yeah that's one thing we miss like at Empire really isn't it like mm. it's all very much like I mean some of us uh, that's the thing we're all we're, like a lot a lot of us can just go oh you know we'll, we'll pack up we've only got like an hour drive but some people have you know six ten, hours six six hour drive some people have to get planes some people have to yeah. it's like it's it's it's, it's not like, easy it's it's easier now, um, now that we actually have a bit, a, 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 like a decent sized group um, yeah. at Empire. It's the the pat down experience is so different because obviously yeah. everybody just helps with everything. Yeah. And I was like, oh wow, because up until that point, it's just been Oliver and I doing all the stuff between us, and it would just take so much longer. Like having that mm-hmm. bigger group just makes such a difference. It does, but. Yeah. Back in the earlier days of Empire, it used to run for four days. Now, I don't know whether PD will ever go back to doing that. I would love them to do at least one a year over the the kind of summer period. Summer holiday one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was like the four-day event was great. It was really good for people who were title holders as well because it meant that you had more time role-playing your character that wasn't tied up in meetings. And you got more time to do more social stuff in the evenings and things like that as well. So you got more of a, I would have said, more of a game experience side of it outside i think that's one of the reasons why because there are the meetings for the various different kind of titles and stuff like that, i think that's why there's been quite such a growth of player events for empire yeah. because it gives people more time to role play being their character away from structured job like activities i suppose yeah do, do yeah. you kind of lament that a little bit like having done that job for for that long being like oh yeah i wouldn't mind just going on a fucking pub crawl one <laughs> just... we well there is a bit of a tradition an awful lot of people who do senators tend to give their take the saturday night off because by a lot of the time we spent a lot of our budget and then send their proxies to the event and partially that is because we're off elsewhere letting people who are playing our proxies enjoy the game without someone sitting staring over their shoulder yeah. but and then we'll do something else instead but they'll know where to find us kind of thing to be honest and there's quite a few of us who are senators that do that yeah and I, the idea of doing it, and I understand that possibly that might happen as well for an awful lot of generals. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, that's not fair to say, I don't know. But I think a decent number of them will send a proxy out with, because an awful lot of the issues have already been discussed, etc. Like that. And the idea is being trying to give people who are effectively coming, learning that game a bit of time to do it without someone hanging over their shoulder, breathing down the back of their neck. 
So I get some of that time already, but it does mean that I've got, or I have in the past, quite a, a kind of player event season where I'll go to quite a lot of the events. And a lot of it is to hang out with my character's icy friends yeah, because yeah. I don't get a huge amount of time to do it in a game when that times. Because if you think about it, if you're monstering, that's from 10 until 1 each day, eating yeah. up, and then an hour turning yourself around. And then there's the battles are battles are still things you're role playing, but there's there's a counterpoint of the four hours the next day or whatever like that that needs to go, and it kind of eats into your event. Particularly when if you're leaving on Sunday at three, your turnaround time on a Sunday if your monster is not a great deal. No, oh, I not. absolutely hate I hate monstering on a Sunday <laughs> so much yeah. because of that because it's just like it takes so long like just to get mm. you know all ready and yep. like I think I I was role playing up until like the like three o'clock on the dot like last yeah. time because i was like i i need every minute of this event people <laughs> could just stop packing up it's not three yeah. <laughs> no i know that rucksack back in there now yeah. <laughs> but it's um i mean it's i cannot kind of watch people like like yourself like like senators and generals and things like that and obviously so many meetings but you you also get to do a lot of other things um mm. as well which is pretty cool because it's um i i was worried at first when i was like oh it'd be really cool to go for like a higher up position but yeah how much the weekend is taken up um but like seeing you know how much you guys get to do because um I know that you came on one of the la the last skirmish I did, mm. um, but that that skirmish was crazy because we were going through the gate. And we turned around and went, "We've got four generals and two senators and two night yeah. If this goes wrong, we are screwed." And I was like, <laughs> "Aren't these guys all meant to be in meetings right now?" <laughs> Probably were, um, almost without fail. But sometimes that—that's the point about when if I was if I was entirely focused on being the political arm, I'd probably be off in the meeting. On the mm. other hand, you have stories and people who ask you because they matter to your character and therefore you make those decisions to come and assist because you want to. And that very much is what Don's all about. Like, I don't think anyone is going to be too much of a politician that they won't come and help with something like that. Not necessarily a skirmish. It could be helping arrange someone's birthday party. It could be arranging a singing contest. It could be part and parcel to their funeral or their wake. It doesn't really matter. I would say there is going to be something of social engagement interest yeah. to you that will draw you away from possibly the most politically jobby job related kind of focus if you know what i mean and Again, that kind of shift yeah it's story in it you're not you're that. not supposed to be just a mundane uh yeah politician you are you are a a storybook storybook hero the main you know the main character in your own story of being mm. a politician so you want to be living well, an interesting life and not just going to a yeah. meeting all the time but you're also a character in other people's story as well yeah. and i think the thing i kind of said about being really kind of careful about making sure that people get the credit for their deeds yeah. some of that is turning out for the funerals and the the skirmishes that your friends ask you to go on yeah. or the wedding that they're having or yeah. the, some great celebration of something they've seen or otherwise because ultimately that is that's what the larp's all about really yeah yeah what's what's the wildest thing that's happened in in senate <laughs> hmm I know, I know there's been assassination attempts. I know obviously the the Barons thing was it was a was a big one. I think probably the time whenever the Iron Confederacy steamrolled the Senate and charged inside with their I want oh, prelate I want to say some kind of religious figure anyway to be honest I can't remember their name. It's surrounded by five or six knights, all fully armed and armoured, 
all with kind of big shields and chainmail, etc., on, and they basically got past the guards that were in the heart of the Senate. And most ascenders were there. I think I was probably among the most armed there. Yeah. But myself and Cesare were backed into a corner with knives, trying to talk this thing down. Well, all of a sudden, there were five or six people absolutely ready for war, and most of us were there in our kind of workwear, font for a better term. <laughs> that was pretty mad, and involved quite a lot of fast talking to get them somewhere else, and sitting down and drinking and having a drink and trying to move it away from. <laughs> what was very close to turning into swords and axes swinging all over the Senate, because as soon as they were in, people started kind of realizing they were there and there were people in the gallery trying to pass swords through the senators. There were people (laughs) coming up from the outside of the Senate building to block them off so they couldn't get out. Thanks for that. Uh, And then there was all of the senators standing around in there, most of us armed with nothing bigger than a fruit knife going, well, this is going to go really well, isn't it? One way to put your uh, political skills to the test, isn't it? (laughs) Talk your way out of this. (laughs) It definitely was a bit of a moment, really. It was just like, right then, I suppose I better start talking. And the Iron Confederacy dislike an awful lot of people in the Empire. They don't like priests, they don't like wizards, and they really don't like some of the other nations as well, which means being Donish and being a big, well-built knight Mm. was actually quite helpful in terms of being able to go, right, I think I can play this right. Mm. But they're very very Norman-French. Is the way I, I read them, which is kind of informing my choices of how to phrase them. Uh, but that, it worked. Could somebody else have done it? Probably. Did someone else do it? No, not at the time. So got away with it. Yeah, it's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't swear in case you have to edit it out. No, but... it's all right. I'll, 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 fine. I'll, don't worry about that. We, 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 we don't mind the swearing. We just I just edit out the the YouTube because YouTube doesn't. That's like, like it. an Oliver problem. So <laughs> for it. <laughs> Fornicated. It worked so good enough for God. <laughs> Uh, so the um right the the first time we actually like properly met you was um when it came to putting up the derondel tent yep you did the the, the, the term tent (laughs) it's like a mansion on that field it is Um, a bit it's about the only thing that's bigger i think is the god tent or it might be about the same size i'm not sure i thought we'd worked out that it was like just like a few inches bigger than the god tent (laughs) good i hope so (laughs) Hopefully Matt will feel some kind of, you know, uh, um, kind of urge to overcompete and then we'll we'll get a bigger Senate building or something. I would be glad if that Yeah, I was just about to say, I think you'd, you'd want that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh no, this is totally not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, what are they like? Um, so obviously we've all got our own like setups and everything and yeah. the Drondel tent is just, uh, just a beautiful sort of um, big castle at the top of the hill. What are the logistics now with getting all that sorted and set up? Because um, A lot. <laughs> I-, I did sign the forms last time i like that was a nice touch getting everybody to sign forms to come and help that was good but (laughs) (laughs) what are the logistics of getting that thing set up now it's quite a lot (laughs) it takes about eight to ten of us to do the actual setup setup um and then there's a whole completely separate set dressing crew that go in at about 10 of them strong and then do all the different flowers and all the garlands and all the lights and all the different aspects of it as well what we got it for was we were in that period of the pandemic whenever we had a, a reasonable sized army marquee tent, but it wasn't quite big enough for us and all of our friends of Saturday evening. So people were spilling out. And if it was cold and wet, then people mm-hmm. were kind of pushed out. And sometimes I would say probably what, about 50% of the Empire events, it's wet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or thereabouts to manage. So we wanted a space that was big enough for all of us and to host all of our friends. Like we frequently have 100 plus people in there on the Saturday night. Yeah. all the various different tables and chairs and things as well and we wanted to do indoor stuff as well we've not yeah. got round to it yet but our thought was if ever we started deciding we were going to do the dancing again in the glory square and dawn we'd do it in there 
instead and we just move the kind of group stuff back to one side and let people use it without it being spoiled we've had a couple of times we've had performances in from the sirens etc things like that yeah. because our thought was that it was an indoor space that we could use for things like we'll loan it to other people like the ambition assembly frequently meet there some of the other assemblies have done it in the past etc as well and our thought is that there's not enough large player spaces Mm. that you can use for things on the field like the senate building is frankly these days tiny yeah compared to the sheer number of people and we wanted something that could focus on that kind of scale and scope so that people could use it and be indoors and the weather is very variable so if you plan anything and it's outdoors you are taking a bit of a risk especially the logistics require you to do it one or two months before you want to do the thing at which point it can be <laughs> last minute we're having hailstorms so uh good luck with that and that's <laughs> i t- prefer to avoid being out in that kind of thing yeah. so we store the big tent on site and uh, we've got an arrangement with the farmer nice. so we have our own storage oh, units so most of the f- most of the tent doesn't leave anvil as it were and it's in a hook loader container so if we move to a new site when it comes we'll just get the container hook loader to that and then that will kind of simplify a lot of things <laughs> but over time we've started to take in other people's furniture yeah as well because particularly if you're coming from a long distance having a space that you can store all the wood and like lanterns and all of that kind of stuff really makes life a lot more comfortable for people and we don't mind doing that because it kind of helps our friends out as well allows them to fit some more people and now that the hobby's grown there's a lot more people that are coming to empire who are probably students without their own transport yeah and getting to and from empire with all of your stuff in a bag is probably horrible and probably absolutely horrible when you're trying to bring a tent as well yeah especially yeah yeah, having somewhere to indoor store your stuff so you're not constantly walking backwards to your oc tent to bring you know a new bottle of something to drink or or your eating food or whatever it helps everyone doesn't it like um if 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 people are able to like you said like purchase things like different types of furniture and stuff like that like it helps the entire nation because it set dresses everything Mm -hmm. and it just sort of slowly sort of grows for everybody to be able to enjoy that sort of um the indoor space i mean um because obviously you were saying about the the fact that so many of the events tend to be in rain it was that last event where it was Mm -hmm. so hot yeah like that was a time where I was like, um, I kind of just want to go and chill out in like the Durandal tent or something because it is is not, it is just unbearable out in yeah. the direct sunlight in that sort of time. Well, one of the advantages to it is because we're up at the top of the hill, the, the breeze rolls down, up and down that hill. So we just took the front of the back off and then just let it be as a piece of shade with the, with the breeze moving over to it. So um, <laughs> I like that think... last time when you had the front off last time. I really liked that because it did kind of like open it. It did kind of like open it all out for everybody to see yeah. and stuff and just kind of made it quite like, yeah. Quite, we quite we would normally do that except for as long as the wind's not freezing if you know what i mean like our objection isn't about keeping it sealed the only time that you tend to have it down to like a, a limited doorway on the side is because we've got the stoves going in there and it's allowing people to come in and defrost hmm. especially when it's wet and muddy um once it starts to soak through your boots everyone starts to get a little uncomfortable whereas being able to come and take them off and sit for an hour or two beside a stove and at least dry your feet and that kind of stuff makes i think the difference yeah. to how yeah, well I will be using that event. at E1. Mm, yeah. By all means. Yeah. We're gonna get we're gonna get another couple of stoves probably over the winter, and then we'll have three in a row down along one whole side of it, to be honest. And the idea being that we're gonna put we've got water jackets for them as well, mm. which means that you'll constantly have hot water so people can come and get it before they're going to bed and then fill up hot water bottles before they, they go oh, to bed and that a, kind of stuff. So that's a great idea. Nice. Oh, no, just yeah. it kinda like quite a few people camp I see, but also it's things like 
for example, like Caitlin, her group from can come up and get tea and coffee and get things like that. Like we love going to you guys in the morning for the coffees and things that you do because it's a nice social experience, but also <laughs> come kind of, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Sometimes you just want a mall drink. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's an alternative to walking the hundred miles from us down to the various food vendors and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, something something to warm yourself up. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Before we wrap up, what's what's the uh, what's the next plans for the Senators of Dawn, or the next plans for for, for Beaumont in particular? Um, well, my friend Rosa's got the throne now, uh-huh. so that's positive and good. So I'll be helping her with stuff for a while. Um, more yet, to be honest, I think at some point, probably in the next couple of years, I'm gonna look to either retire Beaumont or move in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be a kind of a plan to kind of shift on either to step aside and let someone else take the job from within the own group or do otherwise, or just to do something completely different for me, like maybe go and join the Synod or go and do something else because I like the idea of shifting. I feel like I've done much of the stuff that I set out to do in the Senate floor. Mm-hmm. And now there's a couple of things I want to finish, like the completion of the army that I'm building at the moment. So that, that puts another one back into dawn. But then I also want to do other stuff and see other different things about the game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about, it's getting to that stage. Once I've completed the army, which I think hopefully should be done by E3 this year coming, then I think that's the point in time where I will probably look either to step aside and become someone else's proxy while they run, the, where they take the seat themselves, or go off and play general or do something else completely different, to be honest. I'm not that fussed on what it is at the moment. I just yeah. have a hankering to do something new. Something else. But obviously, yeah, also modified by the fact that Rosa is a friend of mine, OC, as well as IC. Yeah. And therefore, she's got the throne, so I want to be there to help and assist her while she gets yeah. things settled for herself. It's going to be exciting, though, isn't it? It's, it's, mm. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a little bit of a change up in the game. Right, folks, we're at, we're at time. Thank you for coming on, Grayson. Is there anything you want to Is there anything you want to uh, plug or, or say now you've got a platform before we leave? Right. Do I think I probably want to say be unreasonable. <laughs> Fundamentally, when it comes to empire, don't take the sensible and the wise choice all the time. Choose the the tilting at windmills or the massive thing like that, both within dawn and without. Always remember that the game world is shaped by the players' actions. So if you take something like someone once upon a time did in adding orcs to the league and decide you want to make it happen, you can. It just requires time and effort. And I would say very much approaching the game world as a, a thing that you can move as long as you get a lot of people behind you is probably the best way to play the game. Well said, well said. And with that, well we'll, <laughs> we'll, say, we'll say goodbye to the podcast, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you very much. See you. Bye. Thank you very much for stopping by. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a like, give us a share, leave a comment down below remember you can find us on youtube you can find us on spotify you can find us on apple podcasts and we do also have a patreon that you can go and check out as well we have plenty of other episodes as well on all those platforms that you can go and check out until the next time though we love you very much and stay safe